It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling is the voice of mountain and forest wildlife and is hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist Chester Moore. Be ready for an increase in altitude and a relentless pursuit of the creatures that dwell there. Welcome to The Higher Calling. This is Chester Moore, your host and creator of the program and The Higher Calling Media Network. And this is the Summer of the Bear. So we have this, we have deemed Summer 2020 the Summer of the Bear across all Higher Calling media and social media uh, platforms, having a lot of fun talking about all the bear species on planet Earth. And we have someone great to talk about that right now. We have Jack Evans. He is the Director of Conservation for Bear Trust International, a conservation group that focuses mainly on education, but also on sound science. Welcome to Higher Calling. Thanks very much, Chester. It's a pleasure to be online then. Well, I think the first thing I would ask is how the heck did you get involved in working for bears on Bear Conservation International? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good question because it's, it's, of course, an interesting story. Um, I've, I've, I've been a hunter my whole life, you know. I, mm-hmm. uh, I, I used to work in outfitting over in Tanzania and Zambia, and, but I grew up in the United States, in Tennessee. And uh, for me, hunting is very, very much about getting to know animals, right? Sure. sure. I, I really think that at a certain level, there, there are some relationships that you can have with animals that you can only really understand if you meet them on their plane of existence, which involves an exchange of lives, it involves death, it involves, you know, food and, uh, and, and all that is, is really beautiful. So for me, hunting is always about immersing in that, in that field um, and in that way relating to animals. So over the course of my hunting life and, and sometimes my hunting career, I it, it was always very clear to me that the the most amazing experience within that was to hunt bears because even though they're not they're not really an animal you hunt with the intention of eating. Um, I mean, I I eat them, but they're not the most delicious. <laughs> There's something special about that kind of hunt because. It's almost like when you're you're out in the field hunting a bear, you're doing the same thing as that animal. So unlike hunting a prey animal like an elk, a a bear is out there, solitary, an explorer, you know, a hunter. Um, That's what it's doing at the same time that you're pursuing it. So the meetings that come out of bear hunts for me have always been so intimate, almost like a one-to-one relationship. And they've educated me more in in a genuinely soulful way about uh, where I stand in this world ecosystem, um, what I'm, what I'm meant to do amongst it in a way that other animals, uh, experiences with other animals really, you know, it's, it's, it's different of course with every kind of hunt, but I, I came to love bear hunting through that sort of process and through experiences in the field. Um, I guess it's just being connected with the conservation world that showed me what bear trust was doing. Um, and we can talk about that in a moment, but that's sort of what led me to when there came an opportunity to talk about this, first as the director of publications and now the director of conservation for Bear Trust, but I, I certainly jumped at it because because I think they're, they are to be honored, you know, in, in every way we can, materially 
and in our discourse around conservation. Well, you know, bears are such incredible, charismatic type animals, and um, yeah. there's something that, like, we at Higher Calling Media, kind of launching this this year, picked a bear to be kind of the the, the symbol for the summer because everyone relates to bears. Um, you know, yeah. everyone knows what a bear is. Um, everyone has, if, they, if you've been in the wilderness long, you probably have a bear story. They're they're an amazing animal, and they have a big footprint, so to speak, in terms of their ecosystem. And with that comes trials, tribulation, triumphs, and sometimes problems with human and bear interactions. And uh, that's why bear conservation is so interesting to me. Living in Texas, because Texas has natively, we have black bears. We have the Louis- yeah. the Louisiana black bear subspecies. We have the Mexican black bear subspecies, uh, yeah. and in the Trans Pecos, and they're coming in more. And so we've been trying to do a lot to educate people on that front. And really, that's where Bear Trust International comes in. You told me earlier that you guys really have a heart for giving young people great science-based information so they can make decisions on bear management. Exactly, yeah. The focus of our organization um, is a creation of lesson plans Mm -hmm. and lesson plans that we distribute for free to public schools all over the country and in Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and these lesson plans sort of present the complexities of modern wildlife management without any sort of advocacy bent. Mm -hmm. So, so when we're talking about grizzly bears, we'll, we'll have students get to know and, and, and sort of survey through some academic resources, the, the, stakes the stakeholders basically so everything from ranchers the ecotourism operations the national parks and out of that it becomes very clear that humans have a great responsibility in how we're going to take care of this ecosystem that we seem to have dominated and out of that it's wonderful to see the kids sort of choose to 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 find what's best for wild animals right yep absolutely in a way that still Keeps, uh, keeps as many people as possible happy, but in a way that really does prioritize future generations. So it's cool to see our future generations getting this education in how to take care of their own future generations. And I think that that, personally, I think that's an area that's, that, that you can always make more effort in, is in presenting to young people the opportunity to attach to this, to a fascination with the wild world you know that's not something i got in in the school that i went to me either brother (laughs) i didn't get that either exactly yeah and i i just feel like that you know it's conservation is not everybody's passion Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but there's always going to be young people out there to whom it really strikes a chord and for every one of those that we can introduce it to who might not have been introduced to it otherwise without these bear trust lesson plans we might have created a future committed conservationist you know somebody who will draw their fulfillment in life from giving back to the natural world and being a group of exactly those kind of people you know it's 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 you know we're all very proud for whatever efforts we can make in that direction you know yeah that's awesome man me and my wife have a ministry and our Missions to bring the love of Christ to hurting kids through wildlife encounters. We work with kids with critical illness, loss of a parent or a sibling, and in the foster system. And uh, we have a zoological facility where they get to interact with animals and stuff. We're licensed by USDA, Texas Parks and Wildlife. And out of that, we do expeditions. We call Higher Calling Wild Wishes Expeditions. And we've created our own sheep curriculum uh, on wild sheep. Okay. 
and um, we we work with we, we've taken kids on a a girl on a she got to go GPS collar a desert bighorn, and we take some of the kids to release eastern turkeys. Done some stream fishing stuff, so it sounds this really cool synergy there. Of course, you guys are doing the education thing at a much higher level, and you know across a much broader spectrum. And uh, I think it's great because bears are a tricky animal um, because no, no one's opposed to a sheep. They may be opposed to not being able to graze in an area because of domestic sheep, wild sheep, but no one's like worried that a sheep's showing up in their backyard. If anything, they're going to take a selfie with it. A grizzly shows up in the backyard. Well, there's management issues right there. People start talking about it. Yeah, so that's a whole different (laughs) ball of wax, you know. It's like, uh, you know, man man bites dog is a story. So, um, you know, it's kind of that same thing with bears. But one of the things I want to really get across while I had someone from Bear Trust International on is that, you know, in America, we know of the black bear, of course, the most abundant bear on the planet. Um, We have, of course, the grizzly slash brown bear, you know, and and people know about polar bears. But there's a lot. Yeah. There's more bears in the world than that, you know. Um, oh yeah. Do you guys have anything in, involved with like you know uh, spectacle bears in the Andes or sloth bears in in Asia and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So so we you know we're we're keen for the driving coexistence of people with all eight bear species. So yep. that includes uh, a lot of the ones people don't know about are the sun bear in Malaysia and Indonesia. Mm-hmm. The spectacled bear in in Western South America, mm-hmm. and uh, the sloth bear in India. So, the and also the Asiatic black bear in the Himalayas. So, yep. we um, right now our main effort is to partner with organizations on the ground because they have their own fascinating and challenging local issues. Sure. Right? Um, in fact, there's a lot of human uh, mortalities as a result of uh, overlap with sloth bears in India. Yeah, I just wrote a blog on that. Uh, that was crazy. I saw yeah. a study on that. It's like, dude, they're like, they're making grizzlies look cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild, right? Uh, so, I mean, we, we're trying to lend support, um, you know, in, in financially where we can to these local projects because mm-hmm. In, in the same way, we're not necessarily trying to push one grand theory of conservation, but we do know that informed science-based decisions, you know, are mm-hmm. are always something that 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 people need help to arrive at research-wise, mm-hmm. and somebody needs to be a voice for that kind of decision-making sure. in certain areas. So, so we, uh, yeah, we, we we try to keep our international links alive. Um, and even you know, relatively close to home, but still internationally speaking, uh, we're we're currently ramping up some work uh, in Canada because I, I'm I'm sure you're familiar with the fact that grizzly bear hunting in British Columbia mm-hmm. was canceled mm-hmm. a few years ago, um, or put on hold. I think there's a moratorium on it, um, but it's uh, that that that's had a really negative effect on outfitters, right? Whom whom. I, I think we all know to be some of the keenest and most committed observers and protectors of wildlife. Um, it's and it's sort of changed the political landscape and angled it against the kind of conservation that we know to to, to be so sustainable in mm-hmm. North America based on the North American conservation model. So in the Yukon now, um, the province, you know, in a, in a separate provincial issue, uh, there's there's uh, there's upcoming discussion of putting a moratorium on grizzly bear hunting in order to do a new mm. count that comes from essentially anti-hunting groups 
And, you know, that's, that's caused her concern for us because, uh, that sort of, that sort of eager, you know, pause of, of hunting in order to do a count is, is really more interest generated than scientifically necessary. Mm-hmm. And speaking as an organization that, you know, just wants to protect the furtherance of science and hunting's role in conservation, that's something that we're trying to turn more attention towards and that we're going to be helping out with. So, so I mean, wherever, wherever there's work to be done, we, we do like to show up, you know, and, and Canada is an interesting hotspot for that right now. Well, you know, that's interesting because I've been concerned since COVID-19 has caused many states, including like the federal government of the United States, to not do certain wildlife surveys if these groups are going to move in and say, hey, we can't allow hunting. There hasn't been a survey this year. Um, And that's something with COVID-19 and economic impact in the future that's concerning. Like, for example, the first time since 1955, there hasn't been a federal waterfowl survey. Um, And, and, you know, that's kind of set up where some of the states can kind of contribute information. But I can certainly see groups going who have more of a political than a scientific agenda saying, hey, we didn't get a survey. We can't justify this. There's no science. We don't know what the count is this year. And uh, that's, yeah. in, that's interesting with the bear thing because it seems bear is already kind of politically charged in Canada right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, for, for exactly that reason, uh, we're, we're, we're key to – I mean, these are issues that you need to lean into, right? You yeah. need to sort of embrace the complexities of. So, I mean, it's possible to do the same – survey to update the grizzly bear count uh, mm-hmm. without pausing hunting you know it's sure. there's there's only really a bureaucratic logic to that not a not a scientific or mm-hmm. a, or a social or economic one you know um so so hopefully there might be a way to to address uh biological concerns and and gaps in information gathering uh, in in the Yukon, if if that's truly necessary, I mean it's something we're investigating right now independently. But um, but hopefully there's a way to do that without putting any kind of pause on on grizzly hunting. You know, yeah, I mean there's yeah. it's the the science and hunting and the enactment of both go hand in hand. Absolutely. So we'd we'd like to make it all work for the best of all parties concerned, right? Sure. And, you know, the idea that, you know, we've we've been hunting bears. I mean, and, and the bear population has increased in most areas of especially black yeah. bears, my lord. Uh, black bear population, yeah. especially in the southern United States, where they were probably more down than they were in the West, of course, are booming in areas. Yeah. And uh, it's good to see that because, you know, now we can look back and figure out ways to manage those things properly. And what I, what I love hearing here is, so I've been doing this since I, I say since I was three, because I started doing this 27 years ago. I actually started doing it when I was 19. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and I, I've had many a conversations with people about very, that, that are like activists for, or uh, organizations that are bent for a certain species, like you know, it, you know whether it's sheep or turkey or elk or uh, rhinoceros or whatever. This is the first time with the Bear Trust International, I mean, getting connected with you guys, that I've been able to just fire off a ton of questions about a variety of bear in conservation. Because you know, on the international scene, for example, man, the lion sure got their voice. The rhinoceros and the elephants got their voice. The rainforest yeah. has its voice. 
But until now, I've never heard a voice rise up for the for the sun bear or the sloth bear or the Himalayan yeah. black bear or any of that stuff. So this is this is good stuff, and I'm so it's so cool. And we'll share that out via our social media. All your the idea of having the. And I'm thinking about man, if I was like fifth grade and I'd have had like a you know a yeah. curriculum, I'd been begging the teacher, please teach this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely, you know, and, and kids are very receptive of it because it's innately interesting, right? Yeah, and absolutely. And this is this is one of the areas that interests me most. It's that we, you know, I'm glad that we are focused on one group of species, right? Sure. Because there's, I feel like before you have you can sort of decide your your tact or your or your strategy for management, mm-hmm. uh, just as a as a society society as a culture as mm-hmm. government. We need to really make an effort to elucidate what we want to see, and that's that's where Bear, Bear Trust wants to be. Well, I, I consider ourselves at the forefront of exploring that question as it relates to bears, because we are trying to understand what is the best coexistence for humans and bears. Mm-hmm. We are going to coexist. There will be overlap. There will be conflict that comes out of that. But there's, I mean, we we all need to be doing our part to explore what we desire for our natural future, right? Yep, absolutely. if you look at situations of, you know, bear-human interaction all over the world, you know, whether it's in Japan or the Arctic or Louisiana, uh, there's there's things to learn about what what works and what doesn't work, Mm -hmm. uh, what's positive for human affairs and what's, uh, you know, what leads to the diminishment of, a bear habitat, things like that, vital things like that. So, in exploring the the global situation, you know, there's there's things we can learn that will help us evolve policy in the long term to be more sensitive and and more sharing between humans and animals, right? Yep. And that's part of the thing that's, is being able to have that connection and link and, and and have the knowledge to make you know informed decisions about whatever yeah. kind of management is. And anytime there's a carnivore. That complicates the management, you know, um, yeah, because let's, this is an un-PC show. Bears sometimes kill people. Bears sometimes eat people. It's rare, yeah. but it happens. And that's one of the things. They eat pets, livestock. You talked about that overlap and things like that. But, you know, um, I, I've hunted my whole life, and I work with a lot of non-hunters who just appreciate wildlife as well in the zoological setting yeah. that we do. And I've never heard anyone go, well, you know what? We need to get rid of bears because there's a conflict. I think there is just from just anecdotally with me, um, a a, a hunger for more information on out there. And uh, it's really cool that you guys have that out there as a resource because uh, bears are, you know, bears are iconic. I mean, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. I mean, people know about bears and uh, in America, in North America, even in, you know, even down into northern Mexico, you know, there's this kind of rise yeah. in, in certain bear human conflicts, and uh, and having those informed decisions are a great thing, you know. And there's all these little mysteries that I always come across with bears, like um, the fact yeah. that there was a Mexican grizzly bear, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. the fact that there was a study in the early 1980s, and these scientists thought they saw some in these mountains in Mexico, and you know, the yeah. the, the spirit bear, the white bear of British Columbia, and there's always seem to be something re- right. really neat out there about these animals. Oh, it is. And, you know, in my experience just hunting them and, and studying them, you know, and, and caring about them and turning my mind towards bears, it's, uh, 
it, it's so clear that they are as individual as humans. Oh, wow. They, they, they have those, I mean, to me, it seems they have personalities as unique as humans, you know, they're consider them equal beings to us. So they're, you know, there's, it's kind of unlimited the, the amount you can learn from these animals, you know, the, the amount you can be amazed by them. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons we support hunting, I would say even the main reason we support hunting is because in the long term, how are we going to know these, these kinds of animals, things like large predators, if, if we don't meet them in the ways that you do and hunt, right? Sure. I, I truly believe there's a, there's a form of knowledge. It's very difficult to explain, but very easy to experience, uh, through, through the contact that you make when you're hunting and wherever that's scientifically sustainable and usually beneficial to the human bear coexistence in a locality, we, we'd like to see that stay, right? Because this is going to be our way of knowing these animals as it always has been, you know? Alongside just simply living by them, you know, learning about them, making art about them. There's there's all these ways to have a human animal relationship, but hunting is is, is one of the most uh, fortuitous and giving, right? So we we sort of consider that part of education. We support the right for people to educate themselves by coming into contact with animals in one of the realest ways, right? Well, I, I'm a bow hunter myself. I mean, I hunt with a rifle as well and shotguns for turkeys mm. and waterfowl, and I never hunted bears. Um, but um, as a bow hunter, I can certainly relate to the idea of there are things that you, that you know only because you hunt the animal. Um, yes, and it, places you go only that only the animal can take you if you're hunting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's, it's, it's an incredible thing. And I'll use the example of an animal that has a lot of parallels, which is a, which is a feral hog. Um, boars, yeah. sows, you know, a lot of interesting parallels with those bears and boars and sows, you know, and um, there's this sixth sense that some big boars have, that the wind, uh -huh. the wind's in your favor, there's no way they're hearing you, and for some reason, they just, they just know something's wrong, and it's not every hog. Yeah. It's I've had them walking by me in ground blinds, and the wind was in my favor. But the big boars that make the, the the ones that are really hardest to get, they're almost completely nocturnal. They do make that daylight late, usually late daylight presentation, and only know that because I've hunted them. And so that's really cool that you say that. And uh, certainly, I've never been able to hunt bears yet, but um, that is uh, an interesting. I can imagine the idea of um, of the individual animal. Um, I my my yeah. uh, I've done a lot of. Of photography and things like that um and uh, i actually rescued a bear from a nightclub in texas when i was in college <laughs> i uh, there, there was a bear there was about a 75 pound cub that year's cub that had been way overfed was given beer at a nightclub uh and we uh, and we went and rescued her for a for a sanctuary and uh good and uh her name was Gigi, and we took her to a nice place and and it was just fascinating to me to have a one-on-one -on -one with this captive bear that we worked with all the time you yeah. know and uh so i can't imagine and, and that's something i do uh hope to do more as we're doing our higher calling projects is to be able to go more into bear territory take some of the young people we work with and learn more about that animal in the wild because it's an it's an area yeah. i i hope to partner with you guys to learn more about bears myself and to be able to yeah. um, to 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 learn more of embracing these incredible animals that are around the world. Yeah, entirely. And and I speak for the entire 
the entire staff of Bear Trust and, and our board members. And I say that, you know, for us, it's, we, we want to enshrine these, this, this education as, as part of American society because we ourselves have been educated by bears, right? Yep, that's and great. We know the joy of being surprised by them, of being fascinated by them, meeting them, of witnessing them, um, and, and being seen by bears. You know, it's, it's, it's really an experience beyond yourself. And because of that, we, want to, we only want to make it more available, yep. right? And where can so people it, get this information? Again, beartrust.org? Exactly, yeah. So at beartrust.org, we've got a new website with, uh, with a lot of our publications around mm-hmm. this kind of content. We, in our publications, we explore these concepts, right? And we're, we're kind of working on an ever-evolving uh, negotiation, discussion of, of what we want the future coexistence to look like because I think it's so, it, it's so valuable for people to be able to voice what they think are our interactions with animals should be like. And that's whether they're anti-hunters or pro science or anti-science. It's all valuable to the conversation, you know, to finding the best answer, right? So we really encourage public engagement with uh, with us through our website. Uh, we're also working on an open source journal of the human-bear relationship, and, and uh, we're, we're taking submissions for that. So, I'll shoot you so something myself. Of- I'll shoot you. I got Me an article. I, I I just wrote an article about uh, the bear stuff in Texas. I'll shoot you something myself. That's great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it then because because there's a whole side of our organization that's angled on uh, on on sort of interacting with the public and hearing that voice uh, and balancing it with what we can best presume to be the bear's voices, which is really only a you know a, <laughs> yeah. an amalgam of scientific data and, and imagination and understanding and confirming what's best for these species. But there's a balance to be found there. And there's usually always a balance that can be improved. So on the other side of organization, we're actively turning out these lesson plans. And they don't just have to do with bears. We've developed sheep curriculum that uh, that's, that's centers on sheep populations in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a wolf lesson plan because that's, a, that's such a... That's such an amazing uh, sort of flashpoint in that it, it, it lays open so many of the age-old complexities of modern wildlife management. You know, so we, we deal with the wolf issue. Well, I, I tell you what, the wolf issue you know, makes the bear issue look tame. <laughs> indeed, yeah. In terms of the publicity around yes. it, it's only it's Woo. only hotter. So so you know, we we developed a lesson plan that we're quite proud of because it awesome. allows students to. Uh, see all the angles and make their own decisions and that's you know i i hope that is uh empowering for them then helping them find their own non-judgmental science-based approach to to the way they want to see their world become right so on our website there at beartrust.org you can you can sort of explore these topics and you can absolutely engage with us and we've got a whole section for students to engage with because we do have so much the interaction with students through our lesson plans and uh yeah i mean i'd encourage anybody who's interested in bear to to get involved in our angle of it because it's you know it's i i'm glad we are so welcoming as an organization right it's uh it's an effort from the ground up so so if you're interested in it in the least bit you know you're welcome to 
come be a part. Yeah, you know, uh, me and my wife just became members of Bear Trust International, and um, uh, yeah, we great. just we just joined, and I'll send you some stuff. And if anybody out there, it's a great website. Check out. So before we go, we're talking about experience and learning from bears. Um, I got two yeah. questions. I got two questions to round out the show. Uh, number one <laughs> is if you had to pick, and I know this is a horrible question to ask somebody, but if you had to pick a species of bear that interests you the most, what is it? Hmm. It's interesting, you know. I mean, we're talking about their personalities, and those are limitless. I mean, I uh, personally, I'm always in awe of these creatures. Um, I'm very fortunate to have met many in the field. Uh, I, I remember being in Alaska one time, and I arrived in this valley that was, I mean, like three miles across. It's like perfect parabola, like a like a half pipe with tundra in the bottom, jagged mountains on either side. And this is on the Alaskan Peninsula, so on one side you have the Pacific Ocean and then the Black Beaches, the Bering Sea on the other. It's really an incredible place, and it was just a highway for bears. And that was one of the best places I have ever been because I could sit on top of a little tar paper cabin in the bottom of this valley, the only trace of human hands in the entire visible world from there. And I could sit there with a spotting scope and I could watch 20 different bears go about their daily exploration. You know, wow. They are such navigators. And on the first night I was there, the sun was setting at about midnight or 1130 or something. And all the colors changed, right? It was a clear day. So all the tundra colors turned like this. Or this gold was added to everything. And I saw on one of the snowy peaks on a sort of like like palisade type bluff, I saw bear tracks, um, and this was probably a mile away from where I was. I followed those bear tracks in my spotting scope up to where there was a mother bear, big golden uh, brown bear, uh, walking with her cub in tow, and I watched her sort of nudge the cub to like leave her alone because she was being annoying. And she walked to the very edge of that cliff and stood up on her hind legs and looked into the setting sun and roared. And I didn't hear that, of course, but I saw that. And wow. she did not see me. And I was watching this bear do exactly what I would have done. You know? And if that doesn't wow. make you feel like they are equal creatures, nothing will. I mean, that's, it, it was so, you know, it was so personable. It was so for her own sake, right? And at that moment, I, I was like converted to the cause, you know, because the intelligence of those animals and the emotionality about them just makes them such valuable kin for us on this earth, right? Absolutely and, incredible, you know? Yeah, and so seeing their lives, I mean, I'd have to say, you know, a brown bear is, I mean, that's what I want to be when I grow up, you know? I want to be a brown bear. I want to be a bighorn when I grow up. So, um, <laughs> you know, so yeah. there we go. Uh, Maybe we'll cross paths. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'll outrun you in, in the in the, in the the hill part, not on the flats. Definitely the bear would catch me. Yeah. But, um, vertically. Yeah, vertically, definitely vertically. But, uh, you know, that's that's incredible. And you kind of answered both questions there. The experience, I'm going to ask you the experience and the bear. And, you know, that's the thing. Whether you hunt, whether you fish, whether you're a photographer, 
um, whether you just love being out in nature, finding something yeah. that stirs your soul. And, that, you know, I look at it, I go, God, man, you created some great stuff, Lord. And I look at the nature and I go, man, this is incredible. So it's great to have people representing these megafauna of the planet, the bears, Bear Trust International. Jack Evans, who is the director of conservation, Bear Trust International, thank you for being on Higher Calling. Thank you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Hey, folks, before we go, let me tell you about my good friends at the Houston Safari Club Foundation. This is an organization that supports hunting and conservation. They've taken hundreds of kids hunting and fishing, given out over $2 million in scholarships, and they provided over $4 million in grants to protect wildlife and habitat at home and abroad. They host great monthly events and an annual convention where you can meet other hunters and learn about all types of hunting. Don't let the name mislead you. They're not just about safaris, but definitely about all kinds of hunting, education, conservation, protecting the future of hunting. That's the Houston Safari Club Foundation. Join today. Call 713-623-8844 or go to wehuntwegive.org to learn more. Higher Calling is brought to you by Texas Fishing Game Magazine, our official sponsor. You can check the online edition out at fishgame.com and also subscribe to their e-newsletter. And if you'd like to meet a personally subscribe you to that newsletter because I actually can do that. You can email me at chester at chestermore.com. Fishgame.com is not only wildlife and fisheries in Texas, but we cover things going on nationwide. And you definitely subscribe to the newsletter. Three updates a week, killer, killer stuff put together by yours truly. Once again, Higher Calling is sponsored by Texas Fishing Game Magazine at fishgame.com. You've been listening to The Higher Calling, hosted by the wildlife journalist Chester Moore. Contact him at chester at chestermore.com. Follow him at thechestermore on Instagram and his blog at highercalling.net.